What up, Millhouse? What's up, dude? It's been busy as fuck lately, dude. We've had a bunch of shit going on. Dude, it's been way too busy. I've I've not stopped. No, I don't think I have either. I mean, we had 4th of July just happened, and that was super busy. It's always busy in Nashville. There was a bunch of people in town. We had a recording session over at Blackbird. We played over at Carol Lippman's Jam, so it just kind of... Yeah. It's just, one week has been bleeding into the other. Dude, 4th of July was huge. I mean, it was it was crazy. I don't know if you got a chance to see what all was going on down there. Uh, yeah, night. I was down there. I drove. Dude, it was wild. Like we had uh, we had the highest attendance we've ever had for Fourth of July this Fourth of July, and I one hundred percent believe that because it was, I mean, it was jam packed that night. I heard there was four hundred thousand people in town. Yeah, there there was, dude. It was it was huge, and then they had a uh, Chris Young shot a music video the day after on the same stage. And that was huge too. Like, it was it was two concerts like back to back basically, and it was yeah. it was pretty pretty good. Brad Paisley did a good job. Um, it was you know he always does pretty good, and the fireworks was it was crazy. It was the first time I'd ever seen like real fireworks like that, not just a bunch of rednecks shooting off. God knows what. Did they use <laughs> the fireworks that they had for last year? No, no, they they sunk like a ton of money. We had the biggest fire, uh, firework display in the nation. There was a lot of people there. I mean, I was planning on driving both Saturday and Sunday for Uber. Yeah. I only needed to drive Saturday, and I hit my goal. Dude, I, I mean, no doubt, bro. And and I'll say this, dude. This was crazy. So I, I, I do work for a lot of events, and I drove back to where they were setting out the fireworks. Dude, it was just 18-wheelers upon 18-wheelers, like 20 18-wheelers parked in a Nissan parking lot. Filled with fireworks? Full of explosives. And, like, we were walking back there, and there's just, like, loose wires hanging on the ground and just shit like that. And I was like, bruh, this thing's... It was crazy, man. It was just an entire parking lot covered with fireworks. I mean, it was crazy. There was a lot of people just shooting off fireworks, too, out in the various neighborhoods of Nashville. I uh, I played a house show with Josh Norfleet. It was our first show down in Antioch, and uh, it went really well. But people were just shooting off fireworks that night. Yeah, dude, that that's that's the way it is. I mean, around this time of year for sure, and New Year's, of course. There was people lighting fireworks off just a little while ago. Did you hear them? No. Yeah. In broad daylight. In broad daylight. <laughs> wow. Still lighting shit out. What's the fun in that? I don't know. <laughs> And we also, a couple weeks ago, we played at Kara's Jam. Yeah. Because it's back now at Twin Cakes 2. Mm-hmm. I ate shit. I ate shit, too. Yeah. I ate harder shit than you. I was... Man, I've been really focusing on practicing a lot more, trying to just get just get better. And, like, that showed me, like, like you know, I'm not as good as I think I am sometimes. You what know? went wrong? I don't know. It was just, like... I don't know. I just got in my head before I got up on stage and then just kind of ate shit. And um, I didn't know some of the, most of the songs we played that night. And I just ate shit. And, um, but part of it was I was trying to play organ, too. And that threw me off because I'm still learning how to play organ as far as like using it as an instrument, not just playing it like a keyboard. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's something new that I've definitely learned a lot is just like listening to other organ players play and kind of going off that and um yeah that's cool i also had a recording or not recording but a a practice with Vinny. we're going to be releasing something soon ish 
yeah like a little cover project so that'll be cool um super fun to work on though and um yeah so i mean i've been busy with all that for sure yeah it's nice because it definitely feels like things are reopened if you think back six months ago we were we were busy but busy with stuff that we had to make for ourselves like the podcast and man of science man of faith when that was still going on yeah we had to make ourselves busy now we're just busy yeah because people are calling the phone is ringing now that things are reopened people are wanting to do shit they're wanting to play gigs um i know with th3 i'm probably going to be playing a gig here soon we've been talking about it and we had the pleasure of recording over at blackbird with teo uh and that was a good experience you honestly killed it on that that was the best i've ever heard you sound dude thanks man i appreciate it dude it was it was a lot of fun i i walked in there feeling good at the beginning of the day and like it was just it was so much fun because i i really don't think i've had that much like fun just playing all the different instruments and stuff and trying them out. And, you know, it was super cool to actually play like a Wurlitzer and Rhodes and a B3 right there in front of me. Just like, dude, what did you think of Blackbird? I thought Blackbird was amazing. Like acoustic, like acoustically treated to the max. Obviously it's Blackbird studio. It's perfect. Like like a perfect audio environment. Oh, for sure, dude. Everything sounds good in there. Like, um, and the room that you guys tracked in, the other room. Room A? Room A. Dude, that room's killer. Well, that board in the control room used to belong to Steely Dan, mm-hmm. and they recorded the album Asia with it. Wow. That's crazy. Dude, it was it was just something real special. Like, um, just the energy there when you, like, walk into Blackbird Studio is good, I think. Well, it's cool, too, because we recorded through Blackbird Academy. And it was, it's like a student program that they use, like the students pay to go there and they basically take turns on recording things, setting things up, running the board, all that good stuff. And the way that Blackbird runs things is very impressive. Like, did you notice anything with the way that they were teaching the kids? They were, they were running it like a regular session, you know? But they were teaching teaching the kids, and the kids were taking notes along the along the way, and just kind of watching how like a studio environment is. But it felt like professional. Like if you hadn't told me that it was a student thing, I might not have really noticed that much. That's what I, I like. I like that was my third time recording at Blackbird. So the first time was for Gina Gina yeah. that I did with the Weird Sisters and my friend Ben Luchka and Kara's uh, old drummer Matt Doctor. He played on it as well. And then my second one was with Ron Bates for some of his blues material. And then this third time was with Teo. We did two of his songs and then three of mine. Yeah. And I, it just kind of all happened very last minute. There wasn't much preparation for it, but luckily I'd been making demos and recording just on my own with the one day the intention of recording these with live musicians in a, in a room. The session overall, uh, I would say, went well. Our friends Violet Moons came in as well, and they did some background vocals on some of my stuff and some of Teo's stuff. But what was different this time, I, I thought that we should record to scratch tracks just because I wasn't going to be singing and playing, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessary. I mean, that I... And it wasn't a knock to the musicians. I just felt like 
I wouldn't even necessarily know what's going on unless I had that. Um, even though there are songs that I wrote. Because it's like I play bass on all this stuff and then I overdub the vocals. So that was a new experience. I I wanted to try something new and I was like, let's cut it to a scratch. But I'm never going to cut to a scratch again. Yeah. Unless I absolutely fucking have to. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I can cut to a scratch track of my own vocals. I think I have to do everything right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or the other thing I think I'll do is just get someone to sing on the on like with us live and learn what the melodies are and send them to demo in advance. And then I just overdub the vocals. That yeah. way we at least have like a guide vocal. That'd be the move for sure. Yeah. But I'm not going to do things the way I did this time. Uh, Mike Rocio played on it from the love in, which is Teo's other band. So they kind of hooked us up with the session. Um, and overall, it was a great experience. I, I learned a lot from it. I feel like as I've recorded more, I've learned more just about my own songwriting in the process. Plus, since I make demos, it, it's way more of a managerial thing whenever you're recording. And I don't know if I want to do that anymore. I really like to have my own studio set up where when I'm making something, that is the final product oh. versus making a demo. Yeah, I mean... That that's one hundred percent doable nowadays with technology for sure. I mean, like honestly, a kid with you know three grand can get him a setup that is good enough to compete with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that it's going to be you know the most high quality thing in the world, but you know for th- for three grand you can honestly you can get a small setup that would be good. Yeah, you know that's that's usually what I tell people when they're going into like making home studios and stuff. Yeah. Is like you can you can cheap things, you know, you can you can buy you a night like a little desk, a small desk. It doesn't have to be a grand studio desk. And some some, you know, Yamaha speakers and an interface, you know, and you, you got the interface. So I mean, now it's just time to buy some not like nice mics and stuff and you have your home studio. Yeah, I I want to experience what it's like cuz I I feel like when I write there's something that's initially captured in the magic yeah. for a song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like like how the Weird Sisters go on like big jams, you know, and they'll capture that kind of thing. Yeah, well, the, that's that magic what there. they sometimes do to, to write stuff. Yeah. Um, but like everything that I do when I write, all the parts are very composed. So I, I feel like it's time to change my approach because like I just make shitty garage band demos and i have a little interface that i use for that and it gets the idea across but i want to see what it's like to capture that magic right away of when the song is first birthed because i feel like recordings my recordings they don't have that original magic there you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, for sure, because you let them linger, and, and sometimes things don't sound the exact way you want them to, just because you're using GarageBand or whatever. Well, it's not even that. I think it's the uh, initial of, like, this song is coming into existence. Yeah. There's something ethereal about it, mystical, Yeah, that can't be explained. And I want to, instead of having, like, a demo, I would rather it just be the final Okay. product the yeah. final song 
I mean, dude, dude, you could definitely do that. I mean, that's that's one hundred percent doable nowadays. I mean, like if you go back to like the seventies and stuff, like that would not have been possible. But now we've come so far with like home studio technology and 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 just recording in general that like anyone can do it. You know? Yeah. And that, to me, that's so cool because you know, literally a kid with a laptop can make hit songs that are being played on the radio right now. That's all he needs. Yeah. I mean, there's seriously that that's some of some of those big TikTok songs were made with a dude in FL Studio, and that's it. Like that's all he had was that and like a computer software. Is FL Studio uh, a DAW? Yeah, it's a DAW. It, yeah, I mean, or Logic. I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that use Logic for their stuff, and I mean, um, sometimes that's all it takes for people to make hit songs now, you know, because that's all they have, and um. And it's, it's nice to have, like, a lot of things at your disposal to use, of course. You know, I'm not devaluing that at all. But, you know, when you're constricted to using what you have, you get a lot more creative with what you can do. I agree with that. I'd really like to get some kind of Tascam tape machine Yeah, and do things that way. That'd be cool. It'd be interesting. It'd be... Um, it's, it'd definitely be like a, a thing to learn. It'd be something to learn. Yeah. You know? Well, I think there's something to be said for trying something new in the process and having that be a part of the songwriting process. Because, like, I've been doing this garage band thing for, like, 10 years, and it taught me how to write, and it really taught me how to structure songs. But I know, I can sense that there's... Some, something is changing in me and like in my writing now yeah a lot of my songs lately have been super dark and that's really the only thing that can get me off um because i've been really into this director s craig zoller have you heard of him before yeah well you saw bone, bone tomahawk yeah, with bone zach mm-hmm. um but i watched this movie dragged across concrete and it blew me the fuck away who does that have in it it has a i see it's on netflix right it's not on Netflix. What's it's, it on? Uh, it's you can only rent it. You can only rent it. Okay. On Amazon Prime and a couple of other things you could rent it on. It's just available for rental. But it has uh, this actor Tori Kittles. He's kind of the lead in the movie, and then Vince Vaughn and mm-hmm. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. That's who. I, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. No, I seen that. Did you? What? What? What do you think about it? I loved it, dude. I I love anything that can stay with me. After I watch it, yeah, or I'm thinking about it the next day and the next day after that. That's why I always love directors like Tarantino and Scorsese, is because it's the same kind of feeling. Because basically, the movie is all about what I took away from it is all about the concept of predator and prey in our society. Um, and the one thing that really blew me away, well, the acting was good and the script was good. The movie is a slow burn Mm -hmm. and I like shit that's like that yeah that you don't really know what's going on it's hard to get into almost but the content was so good and the attention to detail was so good that that's what I loved about it I think S. Craig Zoller he has even said that whenever he writes a movie like he's written all of his movies that have been released he wrote as novels first oh wow that's so, impressive. Yeah. I mean, if you can write a novel, then, yeah, you should make a movie about it like that. Tarantino uh, wrote a novelization for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did he do that before or after the movie? I think he did it after. Mm. 
Did, but you, he, did you read that? I, I'm reading it right now. I'm like eight chapters in, but it's pretty cool. It's cool to see a different, uh, different shade of Tarantino because yeah. it's still Quentin Tarantino. Feet get mentioned 34 pages in or something like that. <laughs> Where it basically goes, it has this one throwaway line about uh, this girl, she's sitting at a desk and she pulls her foot out of her shoe and rubs it on the back of her leg. It's like, God damn it, Tarantino, what is it with the feet? <laughs> and then like six chapters in, he mentions big bouncing boobs. Oh my God, that's, that's funny. I enjoyed that part. <laughs> Dude, uh, I've still not seen that movie. I've really? I've not watched it, no, I, I need to watch it. It's one of his best movies. Uh, after I uh, after I reread the book, I'm gonna watch it. Brad Pitt's really fucking good in it, mm. and Leo- Leonardo DiCaprio's really good in it. Margot Robbie's really good in it. Uh, They're all fucking good in it. Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch that sometime. I- I've seen very few Tarantino films, honestly, but the ones that I have watched, I really liked, like like well, Django. You you've seen Django and Pulp Fiction so far? Yeah, and um, I think that might be it. You haven't seen Reservoir Dogs yet? Mm-mm. No, I've not seen that. That's another classic. That was his first movie. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely have to give that one a watch. Yeah, so I watched Pulp Fiction the first time, and I didn't really get it because I didn't get Tarantino at the time. Now that I kind of get it a little bit more, I, I rewatched it like, I think I've watched it three times now, and I, I get it a lot more. I get why people like it, but the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't understand why this is... Dude, why is this dude <laughs> raping this other dude, man? Just, this is gay. I don't like this. I just didn't get it, man. Like, uh, But the the more I watched it, the more I got it. And like Django was just... It was a, it was a really good movie. I love the acting in that I movie. I think Django overall is probably my favorite Tarantino movie. Yeah. Then Inglorious Bastards. And then probably Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Yeah. I've seen Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs so many times. Yeah. I, st- I love them, but I've just watched them a lot. Yeah. Like religiously. Yeah. How many times do you think you've watched those movies? I've probably seen Pulp Fiction, no joke, 25 or 30 times. Wow. <laughs> I've seen Reservoir Dogs 10 plus times. Is that the movies you'd probably say you've seen the most? I, uh, Big Lebowski, I've seen a lot. I've... That's yeah. probably my number one movie of all time is Big Lebowski. That's my number one movie of all time, too. As for, like, I, that movie blew me away because I did not expect it to be that good. I went into it. I seen the title of it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And what, then, you think Zach and I like trash or something? <laughs> no, no, no. I just didn't know if I would be into it. And then I watched it, and I was like, wow. And it's something that you can watch again and again and get something like different. You can get something different out of that movie. Every time you can follow one character, well, a different character each time, and like you find something different. So, the Coen brothers who directed that movie also directed uh, "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know that. You've seen that, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah. you have. <laughs> you racist piece of shit. I had the soundtrack on CD. Of course, you did. Yeah, so they directed that in No Country for Old Men and a couple other movies. But I think Big Lebowski is definitely my favorite movie of theirs. Do you you think, um, do you think, uh, I don't know if you've heard this. I I was on Reddit one night. Do you think that Donnie was real or a figment of Walter's imagination? Because the dude never talks to Donnie throughout the whole movie. He talks to him one time, but it's not like directly. I don't know. That's a huge theory online that Donnie was like an old war buddy that like Walter's just seen. 
What's the character you relate most to in that movie? Probably Millhouse. Donnie. <laughs> Donnie, you're the dude. Yeah, you're more. You're Walter. I'm Walter. What is Zach then? Zach's also Walter, but I don't know you. When I first met you, you were the dude. I smoked a lot more weed back then. You just slowly transitioned into Walter over time. I've always, (laughs) I've always been Walter Milhouse. You were definitely the dude, though. (laughs) Bro, how about this shit with Bill Cosby? Bro, that shit's crazy, man. He's out of jail, dude. After raping. And dr- drugging like 70 plus fucking women. Yeah, dude, that shit's crazy. Did you see the video of him like getting released from jail? No. Uh, whenever he gets released, someone calls to him and he like dodges and does these Bill Cosby moves. And there's another one of him and he, he does the Fat Albert voice. He says, hey, hey, hey. Oh my gosh. It's fucked up, bro. He's literally a sociopath. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying, dog. I guess there's comedy clubs that are reaching out to him about doing shows. Well, that's even more fucked, bro. Like, what? (laughs) Why is he... No, I mean, you can't just do something like that and then, like, expect to be accepted back into the fucking... He got off on a technicality. I guess he agreed with an, uh, an old DA or something like that that he can never be charged for the crimes... And while he was in jail, they were saying, um, if you go take these classes on like sexual assault or whatever and say that you did it, then you can get parole in three years and he still refused to do it. So he was just supposed to be in there, I think, for the rest of his life. Wow. Dude, that whole that whole situation's like, why why release him back into the world? That's not cool. Well, he's gonna do it again. He's not yeah. a reformed fucking person. No, not at all. It, have you seen the uh, the SpongeBob meme of like Bill Cosby on the outside and uh, Joe Exotic waving at? Have you seen that one? No. Oh, you have to see that. There's a lot of dark memes about that whole situation of just like people that are in jail versus that. I heard a story from um, from this girl. It was just online. She was talking about Bill Cosby drugging and raping her, and then she said the next day Bill Cosby called her and said, "Hey, you got to be careful of." the kind of men that are out in the world, there's there's really fucked up dark men out there. Oh my gosh, dude. That, that just shows the level of disconnect that he had where he's a complete fucking sociopath. And it's crazy that none of us thought that for a long time, you know? I remember hearing when I was a little kid, bro, that Bill Cosby drugged and raped women. I had like it's, that it, until he went to jail. You know how that happened, right? No. Hannibal Buress started talking about it on stage about Bill Cosby being a rapist and the video went viral because it's been in public consciousness like it was it would pop up every couple of years on the news that there was some woman who was filing a suit against Bill Cosby for drugging and raping her. Wow. And he has a stand up bit from I think the late 60s or early 70s or whatever where he talks about putting Spanish fly in a girl's drink so he can fuck her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you let it go on that long before you get before he gets caught? You know, why? Why? I don't know why they'd let it go that long before he'd get caught on it. You know, it's really screwed up. I mean, Bill Cosby should definitely not be free. That's that's definitely not. I've I have seen a couple of Bill Cosby memes about it, but it was about. like Britney Spears oh, yeah, and her that. whole thing with the conservatorship, which I don't know much about that. Yeah. What I do know, it just sounds fucked up. Basically, 
her dad is in control of like all of her finances and what she can do and whether or not she's on birth control and shit like that. Um, but there was, there's that one friends meme with Joey and, uh, and Phoebe where she's like trying to teach him how to say free Britney. And the last part of the meme is free Cosby. I seen it was like, uh, what we wanted and it was free Joe exotic. And then what we got free Bill Cosby. This is the world that we live in Millhouse. Yeah. We, we make memes about the like actual shit. That's bad. (laughs) Well, it's, it's not, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying in general, like, People like Bill Cosby get away with the shit that they do. Yeah. Somehow, some way. Yeah. I mean, how, dude? It's like if a normal person that wasn't a celebrity did some shit like that, they'd be gone forever. You know what I'm saying? Well, but not because- even necessarily, dude, because the, the the criminal justice system is super fucking corrupt. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like if somebody did, a normal person did that, they'd be locked up a lot longer than that. By the way... Did you find out about your jury duty yet? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I found... Okay, so I did get jury duty. I had to... I had to postpone it because of work. Because if I don't work during that time, I won't make enough to live that month. Yeah. Because it's during the Grand Prix. Um, It's on the day of the Grand Prix, which is like the worst day for me. So I, I rescheduled it and got it rescheduled to July next year. I asked him if I could do it later this like later this year, like if I could do it at the end of August and they were like, no, the only other day you can do is July 15th, 2022. And I'm just like, that's so weird. Yeah. They wouldn't let me do it at any other point in the rest of the year. I think they have to screen you out and interview you first before you get selected. Okay. So I got a text message about like literally before we started this podcast. So I got a, I got a text message Friday that said deferred text. Your jury service has been deferred to July 11th, 2022. Then Today, at 4.30, it says, excuse text, dear Taylor Miller, you are excused from jury duty. Thank you. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. You're probably going to go to jail, dude. Probably. If I go to jail, if I go to jail for excusing, or for, for like dipping out on jury duty, I'll probably be in there longer than Bill Cosby was in jail. Probably with, so. With the way the justice system is. Yeah. You guys will see me in like 2040 or whatever. Me and Zach will come visit you, all bud. Right, all right. All right. We'll come visit you in jail. Yeah. <laughs> you can let us know what's going on in there. Shit, dude. Zach might try and get arrested so he can be in jail with you. No. You don't want him to? No, I don't want Zach. Why? I don't, I don't need Zach to be in jail with me. That's not what I need. You don't want him to protect you? No, I don't. Bro, I protect myself. <laughs> of course you can, Millhouse. By the way, Millhouse, do you not know who Michelangelo is? The turtle. No. Not not from, the Ninja Turtle. The ninja, yeah, no. He was the one. No, that was there was Ralphie, right? Raphael. Raphael. I'm not even talking about the Ninja Turtles. What are you talking about? Google Michelangelo. Google it now. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. He's a famous painter, Millhouse. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that. No, I I don't know why my head went to Ninja Turtles. I don't. I just didn't think painter. He painted the uh, the Sistine Chapel, right? Yeah. And the the one with the dude touching fingers with God. Isn't that the Sistine Chapel? Yeah, that's the same one. <laughs> God damn it, man. <laughs> He's painted that one. And um, he was in the Italian Renaissance. He painted uh, David of Michelangelo, the Pieta. 
the last judgment. Yeah, David is the the statue with the the dick. You know the one I'm talking about, the naked guy. Yeah, there's a lot of dicks in all these. Yeah, dude, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like the Renaissance, bro. It was kind of gay. <laughs> oh, dude. So yeah. you released a new single. Yeah, we released a new single uh, last month. Um, we recorded it about. I'd say a month before we released it and we just wanted to release it as a single. We're probably going to either redo it or do something different with it for the album. But, um, we got about six other songs right now, other than that one. And we're going to write a few more and make an album out of it. And, uh, hopefully that, hopefully that'll happen by the end of the end of next year. We're, we're on track for that to be end of next year. And you recorded it over at Trashman studios. Yep. Where you've been working out of. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of a lot of fun recording over there for sure. I came over and did bass for it, and Landon, what's Landon's last name? Oh, I forgot Landon's last name. He plays drums on it, and he mixed and mastered it too, he, right? Yeah, he, he he mixed and mastered it too. It sounds great. Yeah, I mean, like the mixing mixing job on it sounded great. Like the bass sounds good, piano, everything. And uh, yeah, we're gonna keep using Landon as a drum. He's great, you know. He's doing a great job. He goes to MTSU, mm-hmm. and um. I think he might be graduating soon. Yeah, we sounded good together because we cut it live in the room, and then I overdubbed my bass part because I came up with a better one. Yeah. But he's a really good drummer. Yeah, for sure. He he knows how to hold a groove, and he can play, like, all different genres too, which is helpful. He he can really keep a beat. And he, uh, he makes beats and sells them online and makes samples and sells them online and, and stuff like that. He's got his own little studio he's, he made himself. How can people find the song? So you can go to uh, Spotify and type in Fifth Floor with like a five, Fifth Floor Balcony. Um, or you can find us on Apple Music, Fifth Floor Balcony. You can search up Rosewood. Well, who's the, yeah. Uh, you can search up Rosewood Dandruff Cure, which is our band name. I'm sure there's not another one called that. Um, and uh, you'll see a album, or not an album, a single cover that has me on it looking all crazy and... Um, you can find it on YouTube too. Yeah. Well, here is Fifth Floor Balcony by Rosewood Dandruff Cure. Around your finger, twelve 
So you ready for some conspiracy theory talk? I'm ready for some conspiracy theory talk, bro. Okay. John McAfee. Have you ever heard of John McAfee before? No, I've not. So John McAfee was the creator of the McAfee software, like antivirus software. Yeah. You know about McAfee antivirus, right? Mm-hmm. You've yeah, heard of that of before? Course. So he's like this crazy eccentric billionaire millionaire i don't know he was was just a super rich dude but he uh he's been saying for years that he's not going to kill himself and he feels like he's in good like good mental standing he's in a happy relationship yada 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 i guess he likes girls shitting in his mouth that's one of his kinks is is that online is that what's in there's been women interviewed that have said that before yeah that shit's crazy but he's been on joe rogan he's been on alex jones before yeah um, but he, I think he was in Spain or Belize or somewhere like that. I think it was Barcelona. Barcelona. So he was in Spain. Yeah. And he was in jail and he quote unquote killed himself while he was in jail. Yeah. It says, uh, he died by suicide in Barcelona prison after the Spanish high court authorized his extradition to the United States on tax evasion charges so the u.s was trying to get him based on like tax evasion and i think maybe some bitcoin shit he was allegedly doing fraud and funneling money and all that shit yeah and um he said he has a dead man switch but i don't think anything's been released yeah it it, it, there's a it doesn't in this article it doesn't really talk about the conspiracy behind it um what, yeah, li- what liberal propaganda is it? It's basically just like he killed himself. Is that like, CNN? Uh, yeah, I was yeah. on. Yeah, I was on. Um, 
Alex Jones, the night it happened, he was uh, automatically putting up like John McAfee murdered and shit like that, saying that he uh, he was assassinated. I never knew that he went to he went to jail. It's it's actually hard to find anything about the like about this. Like, there's not a lot of articles on it right now. No, I mean this happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean in general, like the articles for this are very short. They're not. There's not much information about him, honestly. Um, and if it is, it's just about his life. It's not really about what happened with that situation. There's not a lot of information about that situation. There's on the internet. a lot of conspiracies about it, saying yeah. that he was definitely killed because he he hates the U.S. government and has been talking shit on them for years. Yeah. And I guess allegedly one of the people to do it was the CIA. The CIA is not allowed to operate in American borders. Only the FBI is. Yeah. So they send like CIA assassins and spies and shit to go kill people. He might have he might have been murdered because it says here it says um it's talking about him talking to Spain about the US. It says this time Mac McAfee 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 was not silent. So many demands placed placed on him made him speak. He also refused when the court wanted to extradite him to the U.S. McAfee. 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 Sorry, my bad. Stated that what he faced was political persecution. Yeah. I mean, there's a good chance he could have been murdered. And Biden's in office now, dude. Yeah. It could have happened. They're killing everybody, bro. Going after him. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. No, for sure. And everybody stopped talking about it. And everybody stopped talking about it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.